Yo, what's going on, everyone? Welcome into another episode of Capturing the Games, the Game Within the Game podcast featuring me, your host, Desmond Jones, and my man's the one and only Polo Man, Juwan Stewart. Today, we got another outstanding guest. I can't tell you how much it means. I have this lady on the podcast today. She is the COO of Indiana Fever. Her name is Allison Barber. Allison, how are you doing today? I'm great, Desmond. Thank you for having me on the podcast. No, thank you so much. But yeah, let's go ahead, jump right into it. Um, go ahead, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Well, Desmond, I'm originally from Indiana, born and raised. I started off as a first grade school teacher in Northwest Indiana. So if any of your listeners are from the region, that's where I hail. Uh, and I taught school for six years. My husband was an attorney in Maryville, Indiana. Then the first Gulf War broke out in the uh, 90s, and he came home one day and said, I really want to serve the country, and I thought that was awesome and noble. Uh, I'm so, we're so grateful that we are, have a country of people who volunteer to serve. So my husband and I both quit our jobs, and we left Indiana to uh, follow his passion of being in the military. So he joined the Army, then we moved to New Jersey, and then I got a job offer with the American Red Cross in Washington, D.C., and so we moved to Washington, D.C. and spent 20 years in D.C. And then 11 years ago, God just put it on my heart that, you know, it was time to come home to be with family. And we moved back to Indianapolis. We'd never lived here. We'd always been in the region. Loved it. Uh, you know, we're, we weren't sure how that would be coming back from D.C. in 20 years to Indiana. And it was just great. And I had the opportunity to start WGU Indiana, our state's nonprofit online university. So I was a chancellor there. Um, you know, when I was in D.C., I worked at the Red Cross, I worked at the Pentagon, I worked at the White House, uh, had my own business, taught at, an adjunct at Georgetown, just had a really robust and fulfilling career in D.C., but then was happy to come home and try and do some good things here in our state. Started WGU, and we started with 200 students, we grew to over 10,000 working adults trying to get that bachelor's or master's degree, and, uh, and then was called, got a call on a Friday afternoon, and President of Pacer Sports and Entertainment asked me if I'd come over and consider being the president of the Indiana Fever. And that happened two years ago. And I did it and have been on a great ride ever since. Cool. All right. So I got a question. So you said you work for the government and in D.C. So how was the feel in D.C.? Like, I mean, were you I'm not saying if you knew any like top, top secrets, but mm -hmm. how was all that? Like, you know, I'm just curious. Well, I, you know, when I worked at the Pentagon, I did have, you know, top secret clearance. I had, I worked in uh, public affairs for the Secretary of Defense, Secretary Rumsfeld, and then Secretary Gates. And then when I moved to the White House, I stood up the Office of Global Communication. That's our team was responsible for that, which then led me to taking several trips to Iraq and to Gitmo. And so the, the feeling of the work I did in Washington was purposeful, intentional, and you know, in, in stressful. I've never been as busy and as um, motivated and challenged as I was during those seven and a half years, but it was satisfying. Gotcha. And me being from, Fort, I mean, I'm, being from, I'm from Fort Wayne, Indiana, so I'm, you know, Indiana native myself. So I guess it's cool to hear someone's different story from Indiana and seeing where you ventured to and come back. Um, and you're originally from Gary, so like, Gary is known for the, the not the best place so like can you 
go into a little bit of that, like being from Gary, like, you know, people know Michael Jackson's from Gary and vice versa. Now we can add another key name to that list of I mean, Gary. I often, I often get added to the same list as Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> That's a first. I like it. Let me, let me tell you about Gary and I now pivot to why it's so important that people work hard to keep Fort Wayne vibrant and Indianapolis vibrant and every city vibrant. Gary was an amazing city. Exactly. Um, yes. And it, my great grandparents, my great grandparents were from, were Assyrian, where our nationality is considered extinct because we don't have a country, but we were Assyrians from um, Iran. And so, mm-hmm. My great-grandparents came through Ellis Island to Gary, Indiana because of the great jobs. And so I always have a heart for immigrants. I went down to Camp Atterbury and to help out with the Afghan immigrants that we're, you know, hosting there. Like, I just love the, that story of people can come to this country. My grandparents, great-grandparents spoke no English and, uh, you know, people helped them create my, my one grandfather worked in the steel mills. My other grandfather was an entrepreneur, had his own a great grandfather mm-hmm. painting business. But Gary was vibrant and relevant. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was kind of the place to be at the, back in the day when my great grandparents immigrated to Gary. So it's sad to see that, you know, a lot of people worked hard to bring it back and to restore it to where it used to be. But it really takes the people who live in those cities and those communities to want it more than anybody to make that happen. But it was a good place. You know, we lived in Miller. I was born in Gary. We lived in Miller and then moved to Portage and then Sherrillville. But I just, you know, I have a special heart, place in my heart for people in the region. They're straightforward. They, you know, they work hard. Boy, if I had a just, you know, an image of my great grandparents and the lesson they taught us in life is that hard work pays off, not prestige. I think they would be shocked to know that their great granddaughter ended up working at the White House because, and they, and you know what? They would have been proud of me, but they wouldn't have cared because it was about hard work. Hard work pays off and uh, do good work wherever you go. So it was a good place to grow up. So I guess let's go back to the White House and government and all that type. So what's your current position that you do now versus the White House? Like, How do they simmer? Like how are the similarities or how different are they like role wise? They're very different. You know, in sports, your job is to provide entertainment and enjoyment, do good in the community through your platform of sports. In the government, you know, at those levels, you're shaping national and international international policy and defending the freedom so that people can go to sports games and enjoy life, you know, choices and stand up for what they believe in. So the government work is is very different but let me tell you what's the same are the people that you work with uh you know and when i came to sports people said oh sports is different i was like you know people are people what do people want people want to get up every day and go to a place to work where they're are valued they're trusted they can trust the people they work with and every day you're you're advancing the ball to do something good and impactful. And so in that way, government, although on a different scale and not as much fun uh, <laughs> as sports, <laughs> the, but the, the purpose, the reason why I was so intrigued to become the president of the FIFA was because I liked the idea of using a platform to try to do good work in the community. And I thought sports was really a great entree to that. 
Yeah, I, I definitely believe so as well. Um, what was it like when you received that? You say you received a phone call. Like, did your face lit up? Like, oh my goodness, like, yo, I got a phone call from the president of this organization. They want me to come in and be the CEO. What was that conversation like at that time? Well, at the time, I thought he was joking. It was so, uh, it was, you know, just came from nowhere. <laughs> and so I actually just kind of laughed. I was like, and he's like, just come talk to us. But I love the game of basketball. I've played it since I was, you know, in fourth grade. My parents bought me my first hoop. Um, I, I still have the video of the Christmas day where I got my first basketball. It's the game I've That's loved. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, if I would have gotten a call from a, a, some, a random NFL team or a soccer team, I like those sports, but I probably wouldn't have done that job because it wasn't my passion, my sport passion. Now, I never got to play in school. I went to a small Christian school. They didn't have sports for girls. So I played my driveway all my life and I just loved the game. So when I realized Rick was serious about the conversation, I said, absolutely. And just, you know, I was intrigued by the challenge. You know, the fever had won a championship with Tamika Catchings. She retired, the coach retired. The, the franchise was kind of, had lost its momentum. I like a, I like a good challenge. I realized, you know, similar to you, I didn't grow up in Indianapolis. So I realized that people outside of Indy might not even know we have a professional women's basketball team. Mm -hmm. And so I like the challenge of building the brand for the fever all over the country. I mean, all over the state. I think I want girls all over this. You think of all the girls playing basketball in yeah. grade school, junior high and high school, and they don't even know that their home state has professional female basketball players because mm -hmm. we kind of spread the word. So that, gosh, I just love that challenge of building our brand in all 92 counties. Mm -hmm. So that's really been fun. So I was surprised by the call, but I was thrilled with the opportunity. And you said challenging. So let's let's unpack it. Well, how this season, I guess, wasn't it wasn't the greatest. I mean, we'll just put, I'll put it works. out there. No, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put work. it out there. <laughs> um, so I guess what I mean, what's your mindset going into? I mean, we're I know we're I'm hoping for, you know, get back to the promised land. If that's if we can get there, that'd be great. I guess, what is the next, what's the next steps? Like where, where are you going with it next? Well, I think it, you know, goes a little bit back to your question of what the similarities or differences of being in government or nonprofit work and sports. Yeah, and this is right. what's the same is that you have to set a goal mm -hmm. and then you have to set a realistic plan to accomplish that goal. And even if it's a stretch goal. So our goal is to win a championship in three years. Okay. win a championship in three years now we're not saying we're going to win it next year because that would be unrealistic and this is what sometimes entrepreneurs or optimistic people of which i am you know devout optimist but uh sometimes they overshoot and then it's not your goal's not attainable so our plan is we'll win in three years which means we need to make the playoffs this coming season so we just are breaking it down piece by piece just like you would with a business plan where are opportunities where are gaps you know, in sports, you can either grow talent. So who are our core players that we can develop? You can draft talent, we'll have two first round draft picks, and then you can buy talent. Who are the free agents that we should go after? So it's a methodical approach to say, okay, where, where are our gaps and how do we build a team that works in concert, you know, and then also for us, it's how do you how do you also attract the right players that believe what we believe? So in the fever, you know, we talk about our three C's: commit, compete, and contribute. 
We want to win on the court and we want to win in the community. So that means you have to pick the right players for that too. It's very true. Very true. Yeah. I love the three C's approach because, you know, it's all about what we do on the court, but also what we do off the court, you know, at the end of the day, the, the game, the game ends, you know, the shot clock goes off, the, the buzzer go off and, you know, there's more to life than just the, you know, the minutes that they spent on the court. And there's so much of an impact in the community that, you know, that's out there. Like you said, there's women out there um, that's in, you know, third, fourth, fifth grade, don't even know that there is a professional women's league out there. Like they could be the, they can be the, next. the players. Can, yeah, they could be the next, but they could, the players can be the inspiration to those um, that are, are looking to pursue that career. So um, right. I, I, I love the three C's. Yeah. Well, and you know, the average uh, female player in the WNBA only plays four and a half years. Mm-hmm. So right. unlike in NFL and NBA, where the, you know, not even the top elite players, the good players will play for multiple years. Right. We're always yeah. thinking about that at the W's. How do we prepare our athletes to be successful in this chapter, but still, you know, building into them the tools for their next career, um, because that will be their reality. Absolutely. Um, I do want to ask about the, the CEO one uh, position again, though. I want to ask, what are some of the things that you had to learn while you've been on a job and what's something that you may have wished you knew going in that you discovered during, like, during the process? <laughs> well, you know, I think, so I've shared I have two titles, president and COO. So the president piece is about building our brand and raising awareness and, you know, connecting communities to the fever. The COO is part of the job is the nuts and bolts in the business of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not know that the WNBA teams were still, they're 20, this, the league is 25 years old. So it's the yeah. oldest professional female league, sports league. Mm-hmm. I didn't yeah, That's know. crazy to think about. Uh, yeah, it is, isn't it? So you think about when the NBA was about 25 years old, they would have oh, around 35 to 4,000 fans at an NBA game. So in that way, the WNBA teams are tracking I didn't know that there was um, such a gap in fandom of men, male sports, and female sports, mm-hmm. and such a gap in fandom around college women's basketball and women's professional basketball. So yeah. that I didn't know. Um, so I probably started my career here thinking, oh, if we only do these five things or six things, we'll build more fandom. And after doing a ton of research and spending time in this job for two years, it's like, no, that those, <laughs> those <laughs> skills, those are not going to move the needle. We have to figure out different approaches. Yeah. So, I mean, I work in engineering. So uh, a lot of times we always just try different things. Like, all right, we got this grand scheme approach. Oh, we just got to do this, you know, and it's going to work. And then come to find out, you know, it just doesn't work. So it's like all back to the drawing board again. So, I mean, I think that's just part of every aspect of life that you go through, you know, matter what, what you're doing, whatever job title it is, there's always stuff you like that you throw out the wall and sometimes some stuff stick and some stuff just doesn't stick. Yeah. And I think that's where sports is such a great analogy for every other career and for life. So, you know, you do the same thing at the free throw line and 80 
82%, you know, the WNBA, they make 82% of their free throws, you know, but some, that means that they're not always working. Like you gotta, or you run a play that worked in the first quarter and you run it in the second quarter and the other team got smarter on their defense and they, they mm-hmm. prevent that play from working. So, you know, these are the, if you read any of Thomas Friedman's work too, he talks about the, the future, the success of people in this generation will be the people who are, uh, who have, have adaptability like how do you adapt and boy we really had to learn that through covid and right. all of that it's like the people who were good at adapting and sports is great it's a great that's why i want every kid to play basketball um, you know it's the number one sport to develop psychological well-being so i look at that as a former school teacher and say brand what if we got wow. every kid playing basketball it helps develop psychological well-being wouldn't that be a great gift to our community and to our kids? So, I mean, sports is just so good for all of those things, you know. Gotcha. Now, let, let's, I'm going to shift some gears here. I'm going to go to, um, so Governor Holcomb gave you an award in 2019. Walk us through, like, what, did you expect that? Did you know it was coming first off? And congratulations as well. Thank you. But um, the walk, I, talk us through it. Like, how did, how did that feel? It felt great uh, to receive the Sagamore of the Wabash Award from Governor Holcomb. When I moved back to Indianapolis, that was the first time I'd ever even heard of that award that was given Mm -hmm. by the governor. And I saw people receive that award. And in the back of my mind, I thought, oh, man, wouldn't it be so humbling and special if I could put my hand to something that work would be meaningful enough to be a recipient of the Sagamore Award? Mm-hmm. And so I didn't set out to win it. I set out to do work that would be worthy of it. Right. And so in hopes that it would be evaluated to be worthy of it, that someone else would say this made a difference for our state. And when I left WGU, which so I started that and was there for eight years, um, you know, we were able to really make a difference. The, my team and I were, you know, in the lives of so many Hoosiers and that was great, but was, you know, so when I left to go to the favor at our farewell party, I was awarded the Sagamore. And so it was really touching to me and humbling and, and satisfying too. You know, I think that's, I'm a competitive person, just like you guys are too. And it's like, if I'm going to go for something, I'm going to work hard, not to win an award, but to do work that's worthy of an award. And that's an important distinction. And I hope that comes across in what I'm sharing. Yeah, yeah, I definitely believe it does come across in, in what you're sharing. Um, what type of advice could you or would you want to give to, uh, like folks, I'll say my generation, but just uh, anybody in general for people that's either pursuing a path or a career path in sports or whether it's the government related or anything, what type of advice would you want to offer or give back? That's I think the f- first piece of advice I I would give to anyone who listens is don't limit yourself. I'm in my eighth career, eighth, not job, but career. And that suits me and my personality. You know, some people, they would just collapse with that idea because it means that every, every six to eight years, I'm starting from zero and have to learn a whole new industry. And that works for my personality. And, but, but the point is, people shouldn't limit themselves. So often people say, oh, that looks great, but I don't have this, or I don't have that background or that experience. There's something that you're interested in doing, you ought to go for it. 
and everything I've gone for, whether it was in public relations and my own business or advertising or Red Cross or even a chancellor, I always, once I landed something, I always went and got an extra certificate to help, you know, upskill myself in that, right. in that space. So I, I think education is probably the best. We're so, we're so fortunate in America that we, whatever you want to learn, you can learn it here. There's yeah. always, you know, an opportunity. Google University. That's yes. So I think that's my advice to people is don't limit yourself. You know, we get one shot at this life. If you're interested in one career field, not you wouldn't want a brain surgeon that jumps from career to career. Like I do like that wouldn't give you any confidence. You want somebody that this is what they do. And they're an expert at that one thing, but don't limit yourself. And then surround yourself with really, really good people, people that will tell you, give you advice. They'll support you when you're trying something new. They'll, help you think about things in a different way. You know, I, that's important for me because I keep changing industries. So I have to surround myself immediately with people that understand this new industry and can help me, you know, get up to speed quickly. So be bold. I always, you know, I like to tell people what my dad used to tell me at the basketball hoop in grade school, you'd always say, take it to the hoop kid, take it to the hoop. And he was probably telling me to get closer so I would make it. But that really has been the drive of my entire career is if you take it to the hoop, it means you're will, you're playing offense, which I'd love ball offense. You know, my vice president to make catching is known for her defense. I'm an offense player. Taking it to the hoop means you are willing to drive. You go in for the goal. You're willing to get fouled. You're willing to get knocked down. You're willing to miss in front of everybody a shot that you should make because you're so close. So it's risky, but it, it, it's this motivation of like, I know where my goal is and I'm driving to it and I'm taking it to the hoop. Hashtag take it to the hoop. Hashtag go, take it to the hoop. Let's go. Take take to the hoop. That's the title of the episode. Take it to, take the, to hoop. the hoop. Let's go. go. <laughs> <laughs> but Allison, man, just due to the time and stuff, we want to make sure that we honor your time, your time with us because we really appreciate you coming on. We're going to go ahead and switch gears and go into our rapid fire segment in which we call the game within the game. So my question for you is, are you ready to play? Let's go. All right. All right. So let's get to it. So first question is, uh, do you prefer chocolate chip cookies or oatmeal raisin? Chocolate chip cookies. Yes. Back on track. We're back on track. That's A5, Desmond. That's A5. I'm telling you, A5. That's okay. (laughs) <laughs> if you said Oreos, that would have been my go-to. Oh, no. well, that's fine. That's that's okay. close. Oreos. That's close enough to a chocolate chip cookie. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. That's okay. All right. So, TV shows or movies? Ooh, that noise. Are, sorry. TV shows or movies? Mm. Like movies in a theater. If it's movies in a theater, it's movies in a theater. If it's television, it's probably still movies. <laughs> okay, so what's your okay. favorite movie or top five movies? Top five movies. Yeah. This is when you're going to see how, like, what a bore I am. Uh, Sound of <laughs> Music, Father of the Brides, okay. Big Fat Greek Wedding, Okay. Cary Grant, in um mr lucky and american president okay six would be you got mail <laughs> okay romantic okay. i'm built for the hallmark channel let's just be honest <laughs> I, 
That's, that's how my mom is, so I can't even say much. <laughs> I can't right? say much I, at all. I like, can't say anything. I, I they got like some my good mom, little stuff. Yeah, I felt like after my mom I worked, After I worked in the Pentagon, I quit watching any movies with horror, blood, suspense. It's like, nope, tap it out. I want happiness. <laughs> Love and happiness. <laughs> okay, so who's your favorite actor or actress? Gary Grant. Okay. And Catherine Hepburn. Classics. Boom. Boom. All right. Take it to the hoop. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I feel as though I probably can't ask this question, but it's a typical no. question, dude. No, don't even do it. Okay. No, you can't. I would. I would just curious to see the answer, but I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I know what she's gonna say. But go ahead. The next question that we would typically ask is, "Who's your top five in the WNBA?" But you know, I know due to your current position and stuff, you may not be able to answer or say those because of you know the ramifications of saying or asking such information. So. Yeah, it would be hard for me to pick the top five current players, but, you know, I mean, I get to work every day with Tamika Catchings, the legend, and that's, you know, we have a lot of, we have so many great talented athletes today, and we have several on our team, which I'm proud of, but naming five would be hard. I understand, I understand. Um, so with that being said, um, if you can go pro in any sport other than basketball, what would it be? Golf. The second person who doesn't say it golf. Although I just learned how to play pickleball last weekend and I'm kind of into it. <laughs> <laughs> See, the I golf. can't get into pickleball, I, but I love the game of golf. So what's your what's your average par to par? Oh no, I'm terrible. I took two oh. lessons. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> terrible. <laughs> I know. That's why I that's why I have to stay in a desk job. I'll never be an athlete. <laughs> but I have a good time and I love golf because it's this independent individual competition like you're competing against the ground the you know the, the course, course yeah, yourself yeah. And yeah. there's a ton of integrity in that game like you know it's fun but I'm bad I'll get better <laughs> it's not happening yet <laughs> that's that's okay practice practice make perfect take it to the hole no, no. take it to the hole <laughs> whatever My it takes goodness. Uh, so, uh, what is your favorite sports moment that you have ever seen or witnessed? I love, well, I wasn't there, I watched it on TV with lots of other people when Arike hit the buzzer beater for Notre Dame's women's game to win the mm. championship, to win the, into yeah. the final game and to win the final game. That was just yeah. pure magic. That was definitely, yeah, that was definitely pure magic. That, that probably that's one of the common ones that most people answer with. So, yeah. and I I know I've gone back and watched the highlights of that and like just phenomenal shots. Well, yeah. I mean, the shots heard around the world to a degree. Like that was just, I mean, she did it at the biggest right. time, the biggest pinnacle. Of the I mean, you do the NCAA tournament twice. Like, right? Yep. It's nothing else to really say about that at that point. <laughs> that's right. But she said she practices that shot all the time, and I think that's the beauty of sports is you know this this is what aristotle says we are what we repeatedly do excellence is not an act it's a habit and so you look at arike it's what did she repeatedly do practice that shot and so she was excellent in that moment it wasn't she wasn't lucky she was excellent 
I'm gonna start using that. That's I'm yeah. Start using that. yeah. That's a that's a nugget right there for us. <laughs> it's a nugget. Yeah, I'm gonna start using that. Mm-hmm. Aristotle. Aristotle, Michael Jackson, and me. This has been a great podcast. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, what's the uh, what's the last book that you've read? Oh, I just finished Beyond Entrepreneurship 2.0, Jim Collins. It's a great book on uh, leadership and developing teams. Uh, and then I just finished the masterclass with Gino, the coach from Connecticut also very good but beyond entrepreneurship was really good what was your biggest takeaway why there were a lot of takeaways that's interesting you know i think the strength of a team and how you build a team um it's it's probably spoke the most to me because i keep changing careers so i have to figure out how to adjust and build Mm -hmm. teams and really that having people that believe in the purpose of the work you do is so critical to a successful team. And just because people come to work every day, they might come to work every day because they love sports, but do they really believe in the vision, the three C's vision, you know, and that's the job of the leader just to really inspire people in a way to capture that. And that's, so the, the book, he talked about that and that was very good for me to think about. I'm always curious to hear how people view different leadership things and understanding. Take away from Gino's masterclass. He said, if a player, when he says to a player, what do you want me to know about you? If the player says, oh, I hate to lose, he's not interested in that player. If the player says, oh, I love to win, he's interested in that player. Now, this applies to business, too. That's why I love sports and business. If you if you hate to lose, you're always going to be risk averse because you don't want to lose. Mm. If you're playing to win, you're risk tolerant. And that's the same in business. Like I'm pitching right. partnerships all the time. And people are like, you're never going to get that big partner. You don't have enough fans. You don't have, I'm like, I'm, I'm risk averse. I'm playing to win. And we mm. do need big partners, you know? So I thought that was a really good mindset. That is a different mindset to have. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm always, now I'm going to start, you know, saying whatever, whatever, look, whatever I'm doing here, be- I'm, I'm here to here to win, here to conquer, here yeah. to here to dominate. So, all right. Well, I've had that mentality for a while. Mm. <laughs> here you go. <laughs> Been wanting to win for a long time. <laughs> if you could be a hype man for any artist, who would it be? A hype man. Yep, hype man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for any artist. <laughs> uh probably that's interesting <laughs> oh boy michael jackson <laughs> that's okay bruno mars i would be a hype man for bruno mars same type of style like mj they kind of yep. they all in the same little little ecosphere i would put them in the same yeah. little bucket good energy happiness yeah that's a good choice okay good i've never had that question before that was interesting yeah that's what i was trying to hear we like to hear i've never been asked that question before we hear that we know we're doing our jobs yep. <laughs> well yeah, at least we're trying look we're doing something right? yeah, yeah something we're doing going. something right yeah. that's something right <laughs> okay so your next one your favorite pair of shoes 
my favorite pair of shoes are my red loafers. <laughs> I love I love loafers. And I also love wearing gym shoes. I can't believe I'm in a job where I get to wear Nike gym shoes whenever I want to. It's awesome. I'm a Nike-aholic. I have been since the 10th grade. I've only had Nike products. I'm all in on Nike. Um, you sound like me and Polo. That's how I'm I'm also all in on Polo. I've, those are my two brands. I almost wore a polo shirt. And I didn't know I could. That was awesome. People make fun of me because I wear collars. See, I knew we were connected. I see. Check y'all out. Mm-hmm. That's the Indiana vibe right there. That's what it is. Good style. Okay. Okay. Um, one of the last questions we have is: If you had a chance to take over any organization other than the one you're currently at, uh, who, who would you choose? It don't have to be sports. It could be anything. Yeah. It could be anything. It could be Chase Bank. It could be a nonprofit. It can be whoever. And if you can't answer, we understand as well. <laughs> yeah, I think there are two things. You know, I would, um, I've been a Red Cross volunteer since I was 16. If I had the chance to be the president of the American Red Cross in Washington, D.C., no, I'd, I'd be all in on that. I love the mission of the Red Cross, alleviating suffering for humans mm. around the world. You know, it's what we do every day as volunteers in an organization. So that would be awesome. Uh, I would, if I wanted to make my life really hard, I would uh, take over the NCAA for women and and try to level the playing field mm. a little bit for females mm. in sports. And not saying that the people there aren't doing it. But if you ask me, what would I want to put my hand toward? Right. That's right. how I answered that question. Like, what, where would I want to roll my sleeves up and work hard for a good mission? It'd be those two. Those are both, of course, incredible. Top two. Yeah. Like, I, I, I would probably dub those the best answers we heard. Hmm. And I, what, what do you think, Juan? <laughs> <You're not. laughs> <laughs> Hopefully your listeners are blood donors because with the Red Cross, we are in desperate need of blood donations. So, Well, you heard it there first, people. If yeah. you're into blood donations, if that's your thing, please go right. out and do so. Yep. Well, every blood donor saves three lives. So there are very few things you'll do in a day that you'll save the lives of three people. Wow. That's a good stat right there. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Allison, it's been a blast, but we do have one last final question for you. Where can people where can people follow you at on social medias just to keep up your career and kind of follow um, everything that you got going on? Yeah, thanks. So on Twitter, I'm Dr. Allison Barber. At Dr. Allison Barber on Twitter is probably the best way or follow feverbasketball.com. You know, we'd love for folks to, we stream our games. So in May, when our season starts, if you're in Fort Wayne, you can watch all of our games. We're the only team that does this. So on our Facebook page, Fever Basketball, uh, you can watch all the Fever games, cheer your home team. I did not know that. And I've been like tuning into the app. Look, I've been tuning into the app, watching it, you know, or maybe watch the next day, you know, catch up on what happened. Okay. Or, or we just go down to the game, whatever the case may happen. Yeah. We started streaming a year ago because when I took this job, I said we should owe it to all of Hoosiers to let them know about their team. So we started streaming in all 92 counties so that everybody who wants to cheer for the you know women's basketball team can see them. 
So even if, you know, where I lived, we wouldn't drive down to Indy for a game, but we sh I sure would have watched it if I had a way. So now everybody can watch it. Well, that's outstanding. Yeah. May, I'm going to be watching some games. Good. Right. May, let's talk before then so we can remind everybody. Yeah. So let's make it happen. Right. Let's make it happen. That's right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes uh, today's episode of Capturing the Game podcast. Uh, please be sure to like and subscribe to all of our social media handles and pages. You can find us on YouTube at Capturing the Game podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at CTG underscore podcast. Um, we're also on Instagram at uh, Capturing underscore the underscore game underscore pod. Man, that's a lot to say. And uh, but yeah, that's all of our social media hands, handles. We love and appreciate, um, you know, everyone reviews, the comments, the likes. Uh, it really means a lot to us um, and the ones that are producing it. But uh, it just means a lot um, knowing that there's people out there listening or taking heed to what um, our guests are bringing on and talking about. Um, Allison, once again, thank you so much. You are a, a gem and definitely um, we're going to take it to the hoop. There you go. Thank you very much. It was really a pleasure to be with you.